Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody. Enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coker. We'll have Jonathan Johnson joining us later on from Paris. He was uh, watching the Brazilians on fire today, especially in that first half. Can't wait to hear from him. He will be coming to us live from Paris, so make sure you stay with us. That will be happening just after our break. We're really excited to get into it, and we're going to take a closer look at what we just witnessed between Portugal and Spain. Que Golazzo begins right about now. Welcome along, everybody. Enjoy alongside my good friend, Nigel Rio Coker. Nigel, before I get started, international finally are over. Uh, it's, been, it's been a journey. There's been some crazy results, some interesting endings. How are you doing, buddy? Mate, I'm good, Ian. I, I don't know how do you feel, mate. I feel that there's been so much football, so much conversation, so much criticism that you do feel for these players. I think the one thing we've always got to relate to people, Ian, is let's not forget the human element of football. You know, these guys are human beings. They're, they're playing a game that they love from young. It's a passion. They love the game of football. They are human beings. They can get tired. They can get broken. You know, a lot of goes into that and they're not robots. So we've also got to give a lot of empathy to these players because I don't think sometimes the things that we're seeing in this current state of international fixtures is going to be a reflection of the true reality of what we have to come for the World Cup. Yeah, I'm with you, Nigel. And we must also not forget that these are human beings as well. They have a lot to deal with in their personal lives and be very careful, be very gentle how you approach a lot of players on social media and make sure you're trying to put a positive narrative on the international game. I thoroughly enjoyed myself over the international period. Some good results from Scotland as well. In particular, not so much good performances from the US. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Nigel, let's get into the big one that we just witnessed. And it was Portugal against Spain. I thought it was a cracking game to watch. I was more focused on the US second half than I was on the Portugal-Spain first half, but I caught the second half and I know you're impressed with what we witnessed from Portugal and you think they'll be okay in the World Cup, but what was your overall takeaway from the game considering Spain now top the group and move on to the final four in Nations League? Honestly, Ian, it was actually a really difficult game to kind of dissect because I felt that overall when you look at that game I'll probably say you'd have to give Portugal the edge, but the problem is in that final third, they just couldn't make that last pass connect. I'm seeing Ronaldo get the balls in very good areas. Ronaldo-like areas where a, a, a regular playing Ronaldo, a, shirt, a sharp and an alert Ronaldo would put it into the back of the net. But you could see, and I want fans to understand, you can clearly see some of these players who are not playing consistently at their club level, how hard it is to just switch it on. It's impossible. So he's taking longer touches. He doesn't know. He's not as aware, sharp as he should be. That's what comes when you don't play games regularly, which is something that you're very aware of as well, Ian. So for me, I would have to give... No, I'm not having a dig at you. That actually came out. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, that was funny. The producer, Des, told me to say it. But anyway, 
Um, I think overall, you'd give the edge to Portugal because they had the better chances. I saw Spain play some great football, typical tiki-taki football, as they say. But this ain't the Spain of old that won the World Cup, the European Championship and the World Cup and the uh, European Championship again. This mm -hmm. isn't that same Spain. They're lacking still that great bit of creativity, I feel, in the midfield area. And again, the problem that we discussed about Spain is having a finisher. And yes, Morata scored the winning goal very late on. Well, you can't say exactly Morata is the most ruthless finisher in Spain or the most ruthless finisher, finisher that Spain would like to be playing as their striker. So it was a real weird game. I feel that Portugal was still playing within themselves. I mm -hmm. think if you want to really criticise Portugal, it's that Ronaldo thing again. Should Ronaldo have played? Should they have started someone else and maybe bring Ronaldo on? Is that the right idea, the right thing to do? I felt they looked very comfortable in control until they obviously conceded that last goal. But I still feel that Portugal have that extra gear to kick on. And it goes mm -hmm. to the final subject I wanted to say in is, it goes to the subject we spoke about. What people need to understand is these games have been so weird. There's a lot of top nations in the very similar situation. Mm -hmm. When you get to the World Cup, it's a different mentality. It's a different animal. It's a different adrenaline that pumps through your body. And I think that's what people need to realize. Once you get there, you soak up the atmosphere, the training camp. It's You're there now. There's no more practice games. This is it the player's mindset completely changes and you're going to see a different animal, different style of football, different aggression on the pitch because they're going to be players putting themselves on the shop window. So they're going to be a lot more expressive than they would be because this is their moment. The lights are on, lights, camera action. I feel that we're going to see a different kind of animal from these teams that are struggling. You look at Portugal, yeah. you look at England, you look at Germany, all these big teams that people are focusing on, they're going to be a different animal once they get into the World Cup. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think there's a there's a hint of hesitation from a lot of players who don't want to get injured as well. We got a comment coming in from Gumball. Portugal will play so much better um, if he didn't play. And I'm sure he's referring to Cristiano Ronaldo right there as to what you just mentioned, Nigel. Um, but we have to say that the World Cup is a different animal and players are going through so much right now. It's a congested schedule for their domestic teams. And let alone the international games, these crazy UEFA nation games being squeezed into scheduling. It's absolutely ridiculous what we're asking these players to do. And I wouldn't put it past any player to be cautious as they approach a World Cup. Because as we have witnessed just recently, players getting injuries, uh, serious injuries... And uh, now look like uh, you know, a couple of big names are going to miss out on the World Cup because of games or friendly games or Nations League games that have just taken place. So I would imagine in the back of every player's mind is trying to be very cautious when you're approaching these games. So you will see a different lineup. You will see different decisions. You will see more intensity, more passion. The World Cup is absolutely everything we live for. We, first and foremost, Nigel, are football fans. All of our viewers out there are watching me and you and JJ and Nigel and Michael and whoever else we have on our show every single week so they can share their passion for the beautiful game we absolutely love it so just real quickly i want to get upon um marata that was his 27 spanish national team goal lovely assist from nico williams as well we got to give him credit nice to see him playing for spain getting that assist morantes um he goes sorry marata goes level with morantes on the goal scoring charts for spain spain go into the final four uh, they top the group with 11 points uh, they have only two defeats in the last 14 international scored at least one goal in all 14 of those games and i will say this before we move on nigel 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they compete in this final four. How do you see that ending up next year? I mean, they're in the final four. They've got Croatia, Italy, and the Netherlands joining them in the final four. Probably four of the top teams that you would worry about in the World Cup as well. Four of the Except top Italy. teams you definitely would be. You definitely would be worried about them. Obviously, Italy didn't make the World Cup, so uh, they're not really a non-factor. But I think that with Italy, it's more of a pride thing. It's a rebuilding and it's answering the critics of not making the World Cup. But um, very good teams. I'll probably say Netherlands are the real dark horse of that, that group. I really feel that Netherlands are a different uh, Dutch side that we are seeing right now. Performing very well, going under the radar. Great talent, great coach, great coaching staff as well. Legends in the game, which very valuable to these young players coming through where they can relate to and give so much knowledge. You're talking about top players who played at some of the top clubs in Europe, Champions League finals, major finals. Mm-hmm. It's a great setup what Holland have. And I think they're heading in the right direction. Croatia, as we spoke about as well, fantastic team, some great experience and some great youngsters coming through. So you'd have to say they're the teams that deserved it. And at the same time, Ian, you know, in the back of their mind, it's still about the World Cup. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's still about the World Cup. I think the reality of it, if people are very honest in what we've seen recently, all these clubs generally are thinking about the World Cup. Like they really are not thinking too much. I think I watched, uh, read a comment from uh, Muller from the German side saying that, you know, we're not bothered about the, the draw. It's a non-factor draw we're going to talk about. No, we're worried about the World Cup. So that's a bit of honesty that I admire from him. It's very true. As much as the Nations League has been competitive, but I feel it's right. I know you disagree with me. but Yeah, I don't think it is. I feel it's competitive and it's worked out, but it's only just because of the timing of the World Cup that's made it very difficult that we're facing the World Cup in, in the winter period. Yeah, let me just make my point on that, Nigel, because I know, obviously, a lot of people out there enjoy watching UEFA Nations League, and I don't blame them. Um, My problem is, uh, heading into a World Cup, I want to see national teams compete against potential candidates um, who would be similar to who they're going to face in their group stages. So, friendly games are massively important. However, we have just witnessed some absolutely shocking friendly games during this international window as well. So, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because there are some yeah. nations who had the luxury to organize friendly games and it was horrendous to watch. I'd rather watch paint dry than some of the yeah. football that I had to uh, watch. I'm sure we'll be discussing a little bit of that later yeah, on. I'm we got, sure we got you've a got comment. your Scottish passport on the table right about now, but let's go. <laughs> we got a comment coming in from Serge, just wondering if Luis Enrique planned on sleeping Portugal for 60 minutes and then putting on a pitch like pe- putting on the pitch like players like Pedri and Javi. I mean, listen, they have got so many weapons right now. That might be in the back of his mind. When he goes into games, it's about Spain getting results. It's not about what they can do for 90 minutes. It's about winning games for Spain. So you have to be very careful. As I mentioned before, the statistics from Spain, I mean, outstanding. They, they score in pretty much every game. They don't score a ton of goals. They don't concede a lot of goals either, Spain. And that's only, what, two losses in the last 14 games. They're a team you've got to be very, very worried about. Let's touch upon other games that we uh, saw from the Nations League. Of course, we've got to give a shout out to our producer, Des, who Irish team got the victory today. They were in the same group as Ukraine and Scotland. Scotland will top the group with a nil-nil result in Ukraine. You happy for Scotland, Nigel? I mean, a bit of positive for Scotland. They're not going to the World Cup, but they can at least uh, enjoy a bit of uh, joy right now. No, I'm happy with Scotland. I think with Scotland, it's just you just want to see a greater level of consistency in. Because sometimes Scotland get on a great wave and all of a sudden it comes back down, crashing down to reality again. So you just want them to get a bit more consistent and really go from there. I think Ireland just need to get on a wave they need to get on a real wave and start climbing high again 
I know Des, our producer, is going to be unhappy with that, but it's a reality of life, Des. You know, Ireland need to actually find a wave to ride. And maybe we can see Ireland back again at the highest heights, uh, where they once was. What was it? Was it World Cup 94 with Mick McCarthy? 94, no. yeah. That's John Aldridge, John, John Aldridge trying to get on the pitch, screaming at the official, Ariana, freaking bitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> there is not such thing as consistency when it comes to Scotland or Ireland, but we'll move on from the 1994 Jack Charlton Irish side as Ardez is letting us know in the group chat. And we'll touch upon uh, Norway against Serbia. Uh, Dusan Vlahovic was on the score sheet. That was his first competitive goal in his last six competitive games, assisted by Kostic. Uh, by the way, Juventus connection right there. You know Flippy on the beat was watching that game and said that Serbia looked good. Um, Alexander Mitrovic, he was on the score sheet, Nigel, and someone who has impressed you and I both and pretty much everyone out there. He is on a goal-scoring tear right now. Um, he has scored 10 goals in his last 10 competitive games for club and country, 39 in his last 43 for Serbia. That was his 50th goal for Serbia in just his 76th game. I mean, he looks like he's 43 years old. I will say that the way he moves. But my, oh, my, this guy can score oh, a goal. And he's dangerous. He's moving a lot better. He's moving a lot better this time in the Premiership. I think he's come with a point to prove. He's lost a bit of weight. He seems a lot more aggressive. I could never question his desire because even when he was in the Premiership before, he had that desire, he had that nasty streak. He's yeah. the type of striker that I would love to have in my team. And I think if he continues in this same form that he's in, I could see one of the top clubs in Europe going after him because he has the ability. He's got yeah. the talent. He is a goal scorer. He knows where he's the goal only, is. He's only 28 years old as well. Exactly. Finds the goal. I think if he can get in the right environment and keep that same hunger and really trim and change his diet and lifestyle a bit more, Someone could have a good four or five years out of Mitrovic scoring goals because he can be a target man. He's a finisher. He's got great happy feet as well. He really can be a force in European football. What do you think about them at the World Cup? They're in with Brazil, they're in with Cameroon, and they're in with Switzerland. I mean, three top sides. It's going to be a tough one for Serbia, but they're on a bit of a roll right now. No, they're, they're on a roll. And I think with Serbia as well, people have to realise, I would look to the, the culture of the country. You know, they're fighters. You know, we just talked about Mitrovic. You're going to be coming up against 11 Mitrovic's. They're, they're going to be very, very physical. They're going to fight to the end. You're going to have to earn every bit of grass on that football pitch. They're going to make it difficult. They're not going to be rollovers, but they're going to fight to the end. And I think it's going to be a very interesting group. The reason why you'd uh, take him on your team is because I bet he's a hell of a night out, by the way, Alexander Mitrovic. <laughs> oh, my word. Could I'm you sure imagine? he is. That would be a great night out. Night out. It may be up there with a night out with me and you, Nigel. Uh, the other game in the group was Sweden against Slovenia. Um, Benjamin Sesko, Nigel, I don't know if you caught this goal. Uh, the 19-year-old fourth national team goal. Uh, he scored in his last three national team games. This was Van Basten-esque. I don't know if you caught it, but it was an absolute stunning goal. Make sure you check it out. And all of you out there, go check it out as well. Uh, that was to make it 1-0 to Slovenia. And then Sweden pulled one back, thanks to Emil Forsberg. Uh, Serbia topped the group with Norway second. Sweden finished bottom of that group, which is a disappointment for them. Um, but of course, that wraps up what happened in the UEFA Nations League. Last word on UEFA Nations League. Did you enjoy the games, Nigel? I know you enjoyed how competitive it was. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed the games. I think it was great. And I think it's just giving us only a slight insight into the World Cup. Don't take everything at face value of what we've just seen. Because again, as I say, it's a different atmosphere, different um, adrenaline when you get to the World Cup, people.
All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to chat the rest of the results from the latest and last round of international friendly games, including a look at the U.S. men. Oh, 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 oh. Plus, we head over to France and we check in with our guy, Jonathan Johnson, who has been watching Brazil in Paris. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Keiko Lato. We enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coca, and we welcome in our good friend Jonathan Johnson, live in Paris, who's been watching Brazil in action against Tunisia. JJ, we were texting very heavily in the group chat. Brazil looked like they were on fire in that first half. What was it like from the ground? Uh, really impressive performance by Brazil. Uh, and it feels like they've put down a marker, really, with these last two results. Uh, you know, to say that they are ready for this World Cup, it feels like they are, uh, you know, primed to perform. And Neymar, in particular, the talisman of this team, uh, you know, it just... I don't know. It feels right. I mean, it's been 20 years since Brazil won the World Cup. Uh, and, you know, it, this feels like the best chance that they've had in quite a while. I mean, I would say similar for Argentina as well. I think this could be a good uh, tournament, in fact, for the South American teams. And so far, very impressed by what I've seen from Brazil. They also have a stacked team. You know, Chich has a lot of players to choose from. Rafinha as well looks very, very handy. Uh, and Richarlison, obviously, uh, you know, in scoring form uh, at international level, something that he's not doing necessarily on the regular uh, for his club team at the moment. Jonathan, would you say being there from watching that game, obviously live, would you say that Brazil are a team where they know the system, they know the style of play, they know what the manager wants from them and everyone is tuned into the system and style and it's working well? And also, did you see a fantastic togetherness in the team? I think to answer your first question, yes, absolutely. You know, I think that familiarity really plays into Brazil's hands. Uh, you know, and I think kind of partly answering your second question as well, that there is a real togetherness in the squad. You know, you look at the way, I mean, they were celebrating after Neymar's goal when he took the penalty. Uh, I noted it in my post-match piece afterwards. It, you know, it feels like he is definitely the key man within that side. And it's understandable given his talent, his ability. He certainly is taking, uh, you know, World Cup year very seriously. He is absolutely primed uh, to deliver in Qatar. Uh, yeah, but also, you know, every single player in the team is there, uh, you know, sort of surrounding him, you know, 
jumping in, mobbing him, you know, all of them just looking really, really happy to be playing together, to be succeeding together. Uh, you know, and you can't say the same about some of these other nations at the moment, particularly, uh, you know, France. Obviously, this was on French soil, but it's it's miles away from what we've seen from Le Bleu uh, recently. But obviously, you know, two particularly talented uh, teams. And I, I think Chich has some real decisions to make now because, like you said in your, in your question, you know, these players do know the system. They know what's expected of them. They know the style of play that they're going to be playing. Uh, and Chich knows that he has a lot of players uh, that he could choose from, some players who are in form and were surprisingly omitted from the group as well, uh, you know, who he could ultimately elect to call up, uh, you know, but when he names his uh, squad for Qatar. So plenty of decisions to be made, but, you know, it feels like this must be a very positive time for Brazilian fans coming into this World Cup. Well, you're watching Keiko Lazzo as he enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coker. And we have Jonathan Johnson live from Paris. He's been witnessing Brazil's emphatic victory over Tunisia. Five goals to one today. One player that stood out to me, JJ, was Rafinha. But what was he like in person? I mean, he got his fourth and his fifth national team goals, also got an assist. It was a top performance from him. And it didn't take him long to have that type of an impact. No, it didn't. Uh, you know, he really was electric and I think he makes a huge difference to this Brazil side, you know, really combines well, uh, you know, with the rest of the attack, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, Neymar, very much the focal point. But now you've got someone like Richarlison, who's, I mean, he's a very strange player to watch because he's built a bit like a target man, yet he is so... Uh, you know, adept with the ball at his feet. And then when you add somebody like Rafinha in, you know, lightning quick, fantastic technique, uh, you know, he really makes them a, a huge danger. And then if you add somebody like uh, Jesus uh, to the mix as well, depending on uh, how Cheech goes for his final squad, uh, you know, that, that could be a very potent Brazilian attack. But Rafinha certainly seems to have uh, sort of the, the the possibility, the potential, uh, you know, to be another one of the key men for, for Brazil, you know, certainly more so than somebody like Paqueta, who I know well from his time in Ligue 1 and you know has been very impressive with Leon, but hasn't really been able to show the best of himself yet uh, with Nigel's beloved West Ham so we'll see uh, you know sort of what the next month or so hold uh, you know for some of these Brazilian talents but either way you know Chich is going to go there with a stacked roster some very very talented players uh, you know and I think I mean looking at that question now how damaging would a Neymar injury be for Brazil it would be catastrophic uh, you know and this is the kind of time of the season as well where Neymar has has picked up injuries in the past, uh, you know, so hopefully, uh, you know, he'll be looking after himself. PSG will be trying to sort of wrap him in cotton wool where possible because he's so key for them, uh, you know, as well as for, for Brazil. But obviously, uh, you know, Neymar's focus will now just be on, you know, maintaining that fantastic form that he's had since the beginning of the season. Like I said, uh, a couple of times in the last week or so, you know, he's been preparing for this for ages, reporting back early in preseason, uh, you know, and then, you know, having these guys uh, alongside him in similar form, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the feeling within the squad, certainly from what I saw tonight, uh, you know, in front of quite a hostile uh, atmosphere as well was, uh, was very impressive. Mm -hmm. All right, Jonathan, I know you, you're very knowledgeable when it comes to wine. Let me see how knowledgeable you are when it comes to tactics on the football pitch. You said all the lovely stuff about Brazil, you know, you're, you're Mr. Brazil today. What do you see could be a weakness for this Brazil side? What do you think they might have an issue with, in your opinion? 
Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that, that is a good question. Uh, I do think that they switched off a bit with certain set pieces. That's how Tunisia managed to hurt them by equalizing. It was a very short-lived equalizer, uh, you know, but it was an equalizer all the same. And I think probably better teams, certainly teams that are more capable physically, uh, you know, could hurt them from set pieces where, you know, you're not going to have as many sort of 5-1 romps at a World Cup uh, as you would in this, uh, in this kind of friendly. So I think that's definitely something to, to target them with. Uh, you know, and I think as well, when you have a team that is, you know, very strong, very athletic uh, and is able to challenge them physically, stop them from playing their game, uh, you know, that could also, uh, you know, be quite disruptive for a Brazil as well. So, uh, you know, I think I, it'll be interesting to see which countries handle sort of the, the, the weather and the heat elements in Qatar the best, uh, you know, because we won't know until they're actually there, you know, in action. But uh, it feels to me like, uh, you know, Brazil are perhaps one of the teams that might fare better, sort of given their experience, certainly in uh, South America, because there won't be any of the testing conditions they, they suffered in Paris today with the pouring rain. JJ, last question before we let you go, because I'm hearing that you're about kicked out of the stadium in Paris. But we have to talk about Tunisia. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they hadn't let a goal in, in six games coming into this game. Uh, they're in with France, Denmark and Australia at the World Cup. Anything for France to worry about in that group? Did you see anything from Tunisia? I know they had the red card in the first half in the 42nd minute. But did you see any positives at all to take away from that game? Or did you only see disappointment? I did see some positives. You know, I thought their fans were, you know, a real credit to them when they were concentrating on getting behind the team positively. Of course, there was the, the ugly incident with the banana being thrown at Richarlison and some of the laser, uh, you know, beams being flashed in the players' eyes as well in the first half. But overall, uh, you know, I thought that it was quite a united team. There are some talented players in there. I don't ultimately think that there is enough sort of within that group for them to, you know, realistically look to, to qualify alongside uh, a France and a Denmark. But I do think that they can make themselves a nuisance. And it wouldn't surprise me if they ran uh, Australia close for perhaps finishing third in the group. But ultimately, uh, you know, I do think that that red card changed uh, the complexion of the game. They had a goal chalked off in the second half as well. Uh, you know, but when they scored that equaliser, Pag de Prince just exploded. It was absolutely full to the rafters with, you know, pretty much, I'd say, at least sort of 85% Tunisian support. So fantastic to see they made a real, uh, you know, raucous atmosphere, which, you know, is really refreshing as well for a, for a friendly. But, you know, I think that passion can only get them so far at the World Cup. I don't think that they'll embarrass themselves, uh, but I do think that they will find life tough and they must make the most of that game against Australia. JJ, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much, as always, for bringing us this live hit from Paris. Um, Nigel, have you got anything more to add? Did you get your wine list from JJ yet? <laughs> Let's not go there, mate. JJ sends me a, a list of wine suppliers that don't even send to the US of A. Makes no sense, JJ. And JJ, <laughs> just to add to your comment as well, I'm sure it lit up with the Tunisians that forgot their French passports at home in the stadium <laughs> <laughs> it, must, it, must be, it, it must be so easy for these guys who can just switch from one passport to the other so when one team gets knocked out they can just follow the other one I'm quite oh, envious yeah. of that that's sure Ian I like that I'd like to say that that was true I'd like to say that that was true but you know Scottish one on the table today <laughs> the Scottish passport you know doesn't necessarily bode well when it comes to World Cup competition. However, I did watch them play in France, JJ. We can talk about that over a few beers. We'll let you go, JJ. Bonwee, thank you very much so much for joining us as you Thanks broke lot, down Brazil and Tunisia. Take care, buddy.
All right, let's just talk about it real quickly before we move on to the USA. Uh, Brazil, I mean, you've watched them closely. You've covered um, everything South America for a number of years now, Nigel. This squad is absolutely stacked, what Brazil have. I just want to touch upon the substitutes that they made today because I can ring out the stats. But players who came onto the pitch... This is players who came onto the pitch when it was already 4-1, by the way. Vinicius Jr., Pedro, who scored, Anthony, Renan Lodi, Roger Bañez, and Rodrigo all came onto the pitch for Brazil. I mean, is this the most stacked squad of players you have seen Brazil have for a long time? And maybe is it the most stacked Brazil squad that we've seen ever? For me, I think it's the most stacked Brazil squad I've seen ever. That's what it is. I think for me... When you look at that, and again, I know Jonathan added to it as well. When you see the camaraderie and the togetherness here, and that's something people should pay attention to. Yeah, I think they're so talented. I disagree with Jonathan in the sense of he feels that if, and I think a question one of the viewers asked as well about if Neymar gets injured, do Brazil's hopes die with that? I disagree to that. I think I'm with you. Just, I'm with you on that. I think there's too much talent. I don't think that Brazil is heavily Neymar reliant as people seem to think it is. I don't think there is. Like you yeah. just said, they've got Vinicius Junior still, who's lighting it up at Real Madrid, star player. They've got so many players, so many talented players. I just feel it's going to be down to the manager picking the right players, depending on the opponents that they're coming up against. Mm -hmm. This is a different Brazil. We're not seeing Brazil try and pass it all the way through teams and score the most beautiful goals. Look at the first goal. Simple long ball from Casemiro um, to um, Rafinha, who heads it in. Mm -hmm. It's more direct. They're more versatile. They can play so many different ways. And uh, I am very, very impressed with Brazil's side. And I think for me, they are my favourites. I think if they don't get any major, major injuries or lose two or three players, because we've still got players who are not in the squad, squad at the moment. So really good chance. Uh, our producer Des is asking a question, and this is why we need to give him a microphone here. But do you think that Serbia have a chance of nicking a result against them? I mean, I think it's a stupid question, but go ahead and answer it, Nigel. No, no, Des, no. They've got no chance. Just like Ireland had no chance. No chance. I think, I think at some stage in our show, as we progress and we start to continue to, to create this great content for our viewers out there, we got to get producer Des a microphone because he's got a good football brain and some great questions as well. But I think he's just trying to wind us up with that question. So what do you guys think out there? Let us know on Kegelato in the comments. Do you think that Brazil are the favorites in the World Cup? Is this the best Brazilian squad that you have witnessed ever? Like Nigel thinks, and I'm probably not far away from thinking, do you think that if Neymar was to miss out on this World Cup, Brazil would still be one of the favorites to win it let us know in your comments uh, brazil are now unbeaten in the last 15 games and have won 12 of those last 15 games they are on fire i'm looking forward to seeing how they compete at the world cup uh, nigel unfortunately we got to move on to another international friendly game it was one that was very hot in the group chat excited to talk about this game because i actually thought the usa were going to get a result against saudi arabia who really impressed me well organized clearly well-coached, pretty dangerous, a lot more dangerous than I thought going forward. I already knew defensively they were tough to break down, but let's talk about the U.S. national team. They were once again very frustrated. I don't know if you caught much of the game. I'm sure you caught the first 30 oh, minutes I before Spain. I caught it for sure. Thoughts? I've got smoke for a lot of people, all these uh, USA fans we have in our group chat. I've got a lot of smoke. I analyzed it very well. Um, no, I'll let you start, Ian. What do you yeah. think? 
Well, listen, I, I'm not amongst the group, and, and I watched um, CBS Sports' great podcast in Soccer We Trust. It's Jimmy Conrad, Charlie Davies, and Heath Pierce. I mean, two, three former international players for the U.S., and, and they're so passionate and breaking down this game, and they speak from the heart, and I absolutely love their show today. I actually love watching their content immediately after U.S. national team games, so make sure you do that too. Check it out on YouTube. Um, but... I'm not in the same boat as far as I don't criticize the team so heavily when it comes to these international friendly games. I have a bit more patience. I recognize that the U.S. national team um, missed out on the last World Cup. They weren't good enough to qualify from CONCACAF to get to a World Cup. So I am overjoyful the fact that they're competing in a World Cup once again ahead of 2026, which, of course, they're co-hosting. So I am very patient. I also recognize that this is a young group of players. Uh, the average age is just under 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they are a bit lost at this moment in time. Greg Berhalter is saying some worrying things. I will say this. I know Greg very well, played against him in Germany and, and known well, having interviewed him many times on CBS Sports HQ. And he's a great guy, very good coach. I really believe that. But sometimes I just think that he's not helping himself with some of the comments he's saying post-games. And the players, in my opinion, body language, disappointing, uh, passion, disappointing, tactical, tactical awareness, like going forward. Like, I just didn't see that desire from a lot of these guys. There was a tentative approach from a lot of those players, especially the ones that I rely on. I don't pick on the players who are on the bubble trying to get into the squad. I pick on the players who are certs. I'm talking about Christian Pulisic, the Weston McKinney's, the Brendan Ironsons. I want to see those guys, Tyler Adams, I'd throw into that mix as well. I want to see those guys freaking dominate. And they didn't do that. So my bone to pick with the results and the performances over the last two games has been more to do with the experienced players. And the players who are on the bubble trying to get into the squad certainly didn't do themselves any favors. What were your thoughts? Ah, uh, mate, there's a lot you can break down on that, Ian. Uh, first and foremost, for me, I was very impressed with Saudi Arabia. I think for me, yeah. that really is whatever money they've reinvested into developing their youth, it's paying off because... Millions. I, I felt... Hey, it's worth it because I felt yeah. that the players looked so much more technically sound and more comfortable on the ball in tight areas than USA did. Mm -hmm. Naive because they look a bit young as well because they play such a high line. The only difference is if once they come against better quality oppositions mm -hmm. and it's just to break two points that you made, which is what American fans have to understand from a footballing perspective. Very naive where they played such a high line. Better sides would say, okay, They'll give the ball to a midfield player, a deep line midfield player, a midfield player who's comfortable ball under pressure, one simple ball over the top to a, a threat with pace to get in behind will lead to a goal. It's that simple. But that just goes to show that USA did not alter their style or adapt to the game for a midfielder, whether, they, whether you believe they have a midfielder of that quality and calibre who's comfortable yeah. to control the game, to get the ball in tight areas, to be able to turn and look forward and say... Pilisic running behind, I've got you. Or look for the attacking threats to go in behind with a simple ball to create a goal. That comes with adapting. I really like Greg. I think Greg is a great coach. He's one of the, 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 the best coaches I've seen come out of USA for me for his philosophy in playing football. But sometimes you have to adapt. I understand he wants to go young. But sometimes going so young to a World Cup with a very young side, you can leave these kids hurt and destroyed if they really get a tonking in the World Cup. Mm -hmm. If they get a tonking in this World Cup and it doesn't go well and they get destroyed by most of the opposition they're playing against, that's going to leave a mental scar on them, footballing-wise, for future to come. 
what do you think happens, Nigel? What do you think? Predict, predict the group, right? I mean, you have the USA going up against Wales, then you have the USA against England, and then Iran. Where does this end for this US group? I, I just say for me, you look at USA right now, and you look at the like you said, the messaging he said hasn't been good for these past two games. I think he is worried now. But the problem is, what's his relationship like with the senior players that he's left out of the squad? How is he going to kind of change that and do that now? Because I feel you look at this, the, the countries you spoke about, look at the balance they have of youth and experience, youth and experience. You've just said it. America mm -hmm. have no experience. This is tournament football. It can be very unforgiving. Again, Saudi Arabia were much more better technically, in my opinion, than the American players. They didn't control the ball well enough in the midfield area. They were naive at times and they were fortunate not to concede a goal from the great chance that Saudi Arabia had in the first half. And it's only an inch away too far back behind the player to put it into an empty net. So if that goal went in, how would the Americans have reacted? Would there have been the head drop, confidence low, players are getting at each other? And the other worrying thing is the star players of America are not currently getting regular first team football. And it doesn't look like it's going to change from now to the World Cup. So how are they going to go half the season without playing and you're going into the World Cup? I mean, you're talking about Christian in general. Christian Pulisic generally is the one that's not getting the regular first team football and it's showing, yeah. you know, so I, I think you'll be worried about it. You know, you'd be very, very worried about it at the moment. And I feel that there is a lot going on there. There's a, a lot that's kind of happened. And it's sometimes it's a bit of life lesson in when they say to you, don't burn bridges. And I don't know whether Greg has burnt bridges with some of the senior players and how he'd feel now if he has to call back some of the senior players to come just to have them there and get that balance right. But it's very dangerous to take such a young team and especially and how the they're playing now leading mm -hmm. to this World Cup. And then you've put some things in the press. These players are going to see it. These players don't live in a cave. They're going to see it and they're going to read into it. And I'm sure some players are going to know exactly who that's addressed to in the dressing room. But USA right now are in a very difficult situation. And how Greg gets this right and sorts it out from now till the World Cup, it's going to be a very difficult task. Yeah, I'm with you. And especially when you look at the group and how it's been, uh, obviously, Wales struggling to get victories right now. Um, I know that their head coach was in attendance today in Spain to watch that performance. I'm not sure you would have enjoyed any minute of that game. However, England have their own issues, but would be absolutely favourites of getting out of the group. But Iran, it's been a good international period for them. They had a big victory against Uruguay, uh, Mediterranean on the game. And then Serdar Azmum, he scored in a draw against Senegal today or yesterday, I think it was. So they're a side that you just cannot underestimate whatsoever because what Iran have done to improve as well, look at where their players are playing their domestic football. I mean, they are top players. They are well-coached Iran and they are making real headwaves in international football. So watch out for them as well. But let's throw a little bit of spice in that. Sorry to cut you off, mate. Let's go this is Iran versus USA. This is more than football. Like, let's get that out there to the footballing Politically, fans and you're be talking. realistic. It goes like the old days of Russia, um, USA versus USSR in hockey. It has mm. the same meaning on a football pitch. You better be know and let football fans know that the Iranian government somehow, somewhere are going to be involved with letting these players know you might not have to get out of the group stages, but you have to beat America. That's just the reality. Like, that's how passionate football is. Like, it's not just about just the game. So, so, so wouldn't, wouldn't the president be saying the same thing to the U.S. soccer players before they jump on a plane to Qatar to compete against Iran then? Wouldn't maybe be Bill Clinton might say something, yeah, but I doubt <laughs> uh, Biden will. But maybe Bill might. I know he's a football fan. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be spicy. You know? like, listen, let's not take this Iran team 
as going to be pushovers or think, oh, it's only Iran. No, they're going to be very good and very well prepared. It's going to yep. be tough. And like I said, I'm more worried about this young American squad because what I'm seeing is very worrying. What about England against Iran? Oh, England versus Iran. Oh, that's going to be <laughs> The boys, the boys, the boys came back good against their biggest rivals. Forget Iran. Their biggest rivals was Germany and they came back good and took the lead. A bit naive not to see the game out. But yep. um, to take a draw, I think that's great, great uh, character by, by England. Let's not I talk will about say, Ireland, though. I will say I agree with that. But before I, I finish off on the US national team, I'm going to mention that I am not worried. I will say this. I, I, I respect what Greg is doing. I actually do like this group of players. There are some players who are on the bubble who are just simply not good enough for international football, but they have to be in the squad because there isn't any other world-class players to put into that mix. So it's an unusual mix of players, but I think it's very important to recognize the hard work that Major League Soccer has done as well to try and improve their own domestic league, to improve the national team, therefore. But a lot of international players playing for the United States need to step up their game in a big way for the US to have any success. I stand behind the team. I think they get out of the group. I think they will get a result in that first game and they'll sneak out of the group. What they do from then on is an absolute bonus. And I think if you do get out of the group, it is considered a success. The international stage is over, Nigel, for a period of time. We will see it again at the World Cup. Uh, just final thoughts before we get out of here. I mean, who are the biggest takeaways? I mean, who's the one who's had the most success? Would it be Brazil for you? And I guess who's been the one that is uh, probably shit the bed, show to say, when it comes to the international games that we've just seen? Ian, if USA get out of the group, I will buy you three of my favorite bottles of tequila and gift it to you. I'll take a cigar. I'll give you tequila with a cigar. Anyway, that's a big statement by you. But anyway, um, I think I think for me, I'd be most impressed with Brazil because, like I said, we, we've we've seen so many interesting games of football where you know you can't overanalyze it and take it at face value because yeah. a lot of these top teams with talent, they don't. Have, it's not they don't have talent; they have these talented players haven't been very convincing. And like you said, there's a lot going on. There's the domestic games that they're worried about. There's the Champions League, the overload of fixtures. Short summer holiday they just had. World Cup in, in, coming up in Christmas. There's a lot going on. But the most, the team that I've seen the most that I would say look like they're in tune in gear, bar any major injuries or collective lot of injuries, I would say Brazil. Brazil for me are the, the ones that just look like they mean business. They want to be world champions again. And they look like they're heading in the right direction. And they're all singing from the same sing. Um, him, he, him, him sheet, as they say. Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that one, Ellis. It's hard to look past Brazil, especially with the squad that they have and the performance that they've been putting out. They're difficult to beat. They are just so dangerous and so entertaining. I mean, they have the star factor once again back with them. A couple of teams that have impressed me, though, Nigel, the Netherlands you touched upon early on, but also Croatia. My, oh my, are they a team to worry about when it comes to the World Cup? They've been impressive as well, and it would be interesting to see how they compete in the final four of the UEFA Nations League. The one that's disappointing to me, Nigel, the one that I'm really disappointed and kind of worried about would be France. I think only one victory in the last six international games, if I'm not mistaken. That is a, a sign for concern. Are you concerned about that before we check out right here? For France? Yeah. I told you, man. It, like the French, it's, it's all about arrogance and attitude. And I think for me, when you look at... I look at the value of what I saw in my performance. I'm never going to deny the French don't have talent because they have a tremendous amount of talent. They've got yeah. a factory that doesn't seem to ever end. They've always got youngsters coming through. But when you look at how they play, 
look at that French game against Denmark again and see if there's a real collective togetherness as we saw with Brazil. And Brazil, these are all superstars of some of the top clubs in the, in the world, but they act like brothers. Mm -hmm. But the French, it's more about individuals. I'm the head guy in charge. No, I'm the head guy in charge. And they didn't play collectively as a team. So again, with the French, you are worried. And I'm not surprised if more things don't come out in the media beforehand. And then whether Pogba can be fit and if, if he gets included and if that might cause controversy in the French team, there's a lot going on there. The French team is basically a soap opera waiting to happen. Final, final, final comment before we get out of here. Argentina play later on against Jamaica. Colombia play Mexico later on as well. Two big ones to look forward to. Anything you're expecting from those games? It was pretty cool to see Messi staying behind in Miami and signing all those players' jerseys and taking pictures and all that cool stuff as well. But anything you're expecting from those four teams right there or two big games? You'd have to say Argentina is the one that people will be watching as well. You know, we're seeing a different Lionel Messi. We're seeing a more team dynamic first Argentina Messi facilitating passing yeah. more so than dribbling through people you'd want Ronaldo to be doing the same thing but obviously with Ronaldo in Portugal he seems to still want to be the main man and it's just not happening for him so I think Argentina for me is the team that people say the second favorites and if they can really continue to work what they've built with Lionel Scaloni then they're the other team that I think people really need to pay attention to and then maybe come up to see what weaknesses they believe that they may have they don't have a stronger squad as Brazil, yeah. but they do have the talent in the starting 11. Nigel Rio Coker, thank you very much as always. It's great to see you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks to everybody out there for watching along with us. And thank you so much for tuning in to Keiko Lazo. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash kgolazzo. Big one coming up tomorrow. we got Fabrizio Romano coming on the show and then we'll be back with the boys later on to preview and just kind of get set up for the awesome weekend as club football returns. We'll see you then. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.